Welcome back to Historical Context, where today we conclude the Coronado Expedition. And if you missed last week's episode, I suggest you go back, take a listen or watch if you're on our YouTube channel. And today we're going to start where we left off last week, and that is where the expedition, listening to a native named Turk, takes two native leaders of a village in chains and upsets this village in New Mexico. And now trust between the natives and the Spanish is beginning to erode. And at the same time, winter is beginning in the area. And we're now in late 1540, getting ready to go to 1541. The writer notes that the snow was dry and heavy. And he also goes on to add that the snowfall at night actually insulated the men while they were sleeping versus making them cold. The expedition returns to the native town on the Rio Grande and they find it in revolt. Natives were asked to provide 300 sets of clothing to the expedition without the ability to consult with their governance structure. On top of that, you had the obvious situation of taking the leadership, two members of the leadership in chains. In another incident, a native accused a member of the expedition of violating his wife, but was unable to identify him when Coronado personally inquired into the situation. The day after all of this uh, madness, if you will, a native who was in charge of guarding the horses ran to the encampment and said that his companion, a second native, had been killed and many of the horses had been stolen. Now, if you recall from last week's episode, the natives did not think very highly of the horses. So it's highly unlikely that they were going to assimilate these horses into Native American culture. But if this is the case, it would be the first known uh, documented occurrence of it. Coronado sent someone to the native villages to talk with them and found the village fortified and the natives ready for battle. I want people to keep in mind here that there were multiple villages scattered around this area. Cibola was actually technically four or six villages. So Coronado, what he did was he surrounded one of the towns and after a day and a half of fighting was able to get peace, but the other towns in the area looked way too fortified for the expedition to take. Sadly, in all of the confusion of this peace agreement, this peace agreement was not reached with Coronado directly, it was reached with the men who were fighting. And Coronado, not knowing about this, ordered some of these native men burned to death. And so again, not a very good reputation for the Spanish in the southwestern United States. Now, as winter continued, 
Coronado ordered his men to go around the villages and offer peace. In the town by the Rio Grande, a native pretended to support peace, but he only ended up assaulting an officer of Coronado's. And Coronado responded by surrounding the town and sieging it for 50 days. And in that siege, 100 men of the expedition were seriously wounded, most of which later died. At one point during the siege, the native village had trouble obtaining water. And the men in this village wanted to release the women and children so that the women and children would not be harmed. They did this and were asked by the Spanish then to surrender, and they refused to do that. After 15 days of negotiating, Coronado went to leave. He was going to withdraw when the natives emerged from the town and attacked the expedition. One Spaniard was killed in the fight, and the natives that were not killed jumped into the frigid river to escape. Those that did survive and surrendered to the Spanish were taken and made into servants as part of the expedition. So again, another uh, sad outcome for the natives there in the southwestern United States. The writing goes on to mention several, I guess, obscure events to occur as the expedition continued. Uh, another large village ends up being captured by another small group of the expedition. There's another attack where 17 members of the expedition are killed when they're wounded with poison-tipped arrows. That's the first time in the writings I've seen that kind of weapon used, poison-tipped arrows. Meanwhile, the native named Turk remained in custody with the expedition, and he begins talking of a town to the east that has wealth, and he calls it Quivera. So Coronado starts heading in that direction, and first he stops at a town called Picos, which is east of the Rio Grande River, and they were able to cross the Rio Grande because the river was frozen over. So the horses that they were riding on were able to walk on top of the ice and cross the Rio Grande River. Coronado and the expedition continued east. And at this time, another native that's in the expedition, a servant, who is from the town of Quivera, alleges that the Turk, or the guy named Turk, was lying, but the expedition did not believe him. And in fact, they treated him very poorly because of this, and he took a lot of abuse from the other Spanish. They came to a village where the women there had clothing skins, and the expedition greatly upsets these women by confiscating all of the clothing skins. And there's a, a mention of it in the writing. Let's have a look. 
The women and some others were left crying because they thought that the strangers were not going to take anything, but would bless them as Cabeza de Vaca and Dorantis had done when they passed through here. It goes on to say they found an Indian girl here who was as white as a Castilian lady, except that she had her chin painted like a Moorish woman. So an interesting observation there of what appeared to be a European-looking woman, but also the fact that the women had remembered Cabeza de Vaca. And this group, the expedition, is now in northern Texas, which is a little fascinating because they're actually a little further north than what is thought to have been Cabeza de Vaca's territory. But we also know from Cabeza de Vaca's writings that these natives tend to move around a little bit. So this group that's in northern Texas right now might have been further south when they encountered him. So they're in northern Texas, and they're in a village, and a new guide comes along and tells them that Quivera is to the north, not to the east. And this is the first time the expedition begins to question and distrust the native named Turk. With supplies running low, Coronado decides that the main army needs to go back to the village on the Rio Grande. And he is going to continue Coronado to Quivera with about 30 horsemen. And 48 days later, Coronado and his 30 horsemen reach Quivera. And Quivera is believed to be in central Kansas, but a little more towards the northeastern part of Kansas. And it's hard because the, the descriptions cannot be totally verified to figure out where Coronado had reached. The guides that were with Coronado, the native guides, helped the expedition to be received by the natives in Quivera in a very friendly manner. The native named Turk, who was still with the group, was asked why he had lied, and he stated that his native village was in the general direction of where they were headed, which was east, not north. And Turk says he was asked by his original captors to lead the expedition off to starvation. Now at this point, we no longer hear of the native named Turk, and we don't know what ended up happening to him, but one can only imagine. Coronado, disappointed by what he finds in Quivera, which is not very much, returns back to the town over by the Rio Grande, which he is united with the rest of his men. And it is now October of 1541. And at some point during Coronado's trip into Kansas and subsequent return, DeSoto who we talked about earlier, may have only been a couple hundred miles away. That's hard to believe. There isn't any native reference of, of one group talking about the other necessarily outside of the individuals that seem to have misled through the journey. 
But it's important to note that Coronado and DeSoto, between the two of them, really covered a vast section of the southern United States and came within a couple hundred miles of each other. A subordinate of Coronado's named Cardenas would end up leading a small group west into Arizona and they would become the first Europeans to lay eyes on the Grand Canyon. And the Grand Canyon becomes the discovery that this expedition is known for because it's so popular in our culture today. But it was something that Coronado himself did not lay his eyes upon. It was just a few members of his expedition. And it was something that I'm sure they were shocked of at the time, but in the writing, it was rather insignificant. Coronado may have stayed in the region longer, and he may have ended up going on to settle a colony, but in December of 1541, he fell from his horse and ends up seriously injured. So the expedition, as a result of this, returns to Mexico in 1542. And Coronado, for his actions ends up facing war crimes based on his behavior. So his actions and his decisions were not hidden and his actions and his decisions were not common or acceptable practice amongst the Spaniards. It's important for people to know that. Burning natives to death, arresting them, killing some of them, was not seen as an acceptable practice. And so he faced war crimes for his actions. He was acquitted of, of the charges, but his subordinate Cardenas, who was the man who led the group to the Grand Canyon, was found guilty and sentenced to jail. Unlike previous expedition leaders, Coronado took on a heavy out-of-pocket cost to engage in this expedition. And he started off wealthier than most of the people we've studied in this unit. But his out-of-pocket costs and his disappointing findings end up forcing him into bankruptcy. And he dies in 1554, 12 years after returning, in Mexico City. Coronado's failure centered around his trust of that friar, which turned out to be wrong, and his trust of the captive native named Turk, both of whom embellished their stories. Nearly four decades after the expedition, in 1581, the Chamuscado and Rodriguez expedition would venture into the same territory. And so for 40 years, there was this gap of a lack of a Spanish presence in the southwestern United States. So 40 years later, this expedition would return. And it would be expected that Coronado's destructive behavior would have done something, but in fact, it had little impact on the culture of the natives in the area. But this new expedition noted something a little different, and it wasn't in the writing of the Coronado expedition. They noted a large number 
of light-skinned and light-haired natives, the origins of which are greatly unknown, but obviously lead to the speculation that some assimilation may have occurred. So the Coronado expedition was a large failure. It actually ends up being a deterrent for future Spanish expeditions into the area because it's seen as a poor area with not a lot of riches. And the Spanish government has its own battles to fight in the 16th century, namely the Reformation. But before we conclude the expedition unit, I have one more episode covering one more new area of the lower 48 states, and that is the west coast of the United States. So we'll talk about that explorer and that expedition next time on Historical Context.